Oregon officially wraps up its best recruiting class ever, at least for now. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view every day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your number one source to stay up to date with all things Ducks. So if you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and review, please. And thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more, not less, more. New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started recruiting. Dan Lanning spoke on a National Signing Day show with Joey Mack and Jerry Allen, talk about a couple things that were said there. And is Ohio State going to be Oregon's rival? We'll get to that all in today's show. But best class ever for the Ducks. Third ranked class in the country for 2024. The only two guys signing their national letters of intent on signing day yesterday, which is backwards the college football calendar is broken ridiculous stupid and dumb but that's how it went down Gatlin Bear officially signed he'll be a duck and will be a playmaker in a couple of years and Gage Herrick the uh the kicker highly touted recruit from West Lynn in-state kid they signed their national letters of intent they'll officially be ducks and the 2024 high school recruiting class is all wrapped up and it's the third best class in the country. Oregon comes just a little bit short. 293.22 is uh, the total number of points there according to 24. 792.19 average. Just fantastic numbers for a school located up in the Pacific Northwest where some coaches have said once upon a time it's hard to recruit. Well, not if you're Dan Lanning and company. They can apparently get it done. Is this the best it can ever be? No. I do not believe so, Spencer. How could you say that? Why do you think that? Well, once upon a time, Oregon didn't have a top 10 class nationally, or they didn't do that. Now that's the standard. Now that's the expectation. Mario Cristobal in 2021 had the sixth best class in the country. A lot of impactful guys in that class that are still making an impact for the Ducks. You had Troy Franklin in that class who is going to the NFL now, of course. You had Jackson Powers Johnson in that class. You had Jeffrey Bossa in that class. You had T. Ferg in that class. So I'm definitely missing a couple. But Oregon continuing to bring in high school players is fantastic. And having the third best class in the entire country is a testament to what this staff has done, where Oregon's brand is at, going into the Big Ten, all of these things coming together. But do you know the two schools ahead of Oregon? Georgia and Alabama. Who's the head coach at Alabama? It's our old friend, Kalen DeBoer. He is not going to recruit the way that Nick Saban did. He could still recruit well. He will not recruit like Nick Saban did. So Alabama being a perennial top five recruiting power is not going to be a thing anymore. There are other great teams that can fill the void, right? Texas can recruit at a high level. They've got a bunch of kids right in their backyard. Dan Lanning is clearly a better recruiter than Lincoln Riley down at USC, but if they were ever to put all the effort and resources into recruiting as they should down there in Los Angeles, yeah, they could be a big-time recruiting power. But I've talked to Brian Smith about this before here on the show, and 
he is adamant that, yeah, Oregon is the premier recruiting brand out West. And the reason I think that Lanning can do even better than top three is twofold. Number one, Nick Saban's not at Alabama and Oregon just proved they can get above everybody else. So they'd have to prove they can out recruit Georgia. Well, if Dan Lanning wins a national championship, that's how it goes up. If, if, if Oregon goes to the big 10, and is playing at better television times, getting in front of more eyeballs, continuing to grow the brand, winning big games. If they beat Ohio State this fall and that sort of stuff, I think there is a possibility that Oregon can have the number one recruiting class in the country. That can happen. That can absolutely happen. It stems from the results on the field. I think that's the only thing missing. This is the NIL era. Oregon is more than competitive. In fact, they're well above average along those lines. You have to have a coach that wants to grind, that wants to work. Guess what? Dan Lanning, Tosh Lupoy, rest of that staff, they want to work. Some old school coaches, they're not as into it. I understand and empathize with those coaches because they grew up in a different world, but Lanning is perfectly capable of adapting to the ever-evolving landscape and has done a phenomenal job recruiting in Oregon, and that is going to continue. And remember, he's only been in Eugene for two seasons. This is his second recruiting cycle. And he's pulling in a top three class and the best one ever. Do you anticipate that's going to take a major step back? It might not be top three every year. It certainly will be top 10 every year. That should be the expectation. I mean, that, that that's where my head is at. Because if your first year is number nine and your second year is number three in the country, it should only continue to go up. Because the one thing that Oregon's brand does not have is winning a national championship. But if Oregon does that, and that pedigree is established even further to play at the highest level of the sport and win at the highest level of the sport, Oregon is going to be able to haul in a number one recruiting class someday. And heck, it might not even take that. I mean, Oregon didn't win the Pac-12 this year. Dan Lanning has won both his bowl games, the Holiday Bowl against North Carolina and the Fiesta Bowl against Liberty. He's compiled 22 wins in his two seasons. He's 0-3 against Washington. He doesn't have a conference championship. He's only been to the conference championship game once, and he just pulled in the best class ever. If, if Oregon's a perennial playoff team, if they win the Big Ten within the first couple of years, I think that elevates the profile to a point where they could push for the top class in the country. And look, is recruiting everything? Nope, it certainly is not. Does it matter a whole heck of a lot? Yeah, yeah, it really, really does. So... We got a bunch of mailbag questions to get to today, including an audio question later. Yeah, stay tuned for that. That's available to uh, Locked On Ducks insiders, but you can become one over at Subtext. Link in the description below wherever you listen to or watch this show. You get to talk with me one-on-one. -on -one. I send you even more thoughts. I send you scoop anything that I'm seeing, hearing, watching for, or anything of the like. Go join over there. You also get priority mailbag access. These questions came from Subtext subscribers. So Dan Lanning, uh, as, long, or as well as the other coaches, were on with Joey Mack and Jerry Allen, who are on the radio broadcast team, both of whom do an outstanding job. Jerry's voice, man, doesn't change. It just... It doesn't change. It has been the same my entire life. He's the first radio guy I remember listening to as a kid. And I remember one of the first games, too, uh, we were playing, the, Duck, the Ducks were playing at Washington, and there was an interception, and Oregon had it. And I remember the excitement and energy in his voice, and I don't remember what year it was, but I remember listening to that in the car with, with my dad back when we had a, a Honda Pilot. 
uh, in our family anyway. So that was, that was a quick sidebar there. But something that Dan Lanning talked about was his philosophy. You know, Joey Mack and, and Jerry were asking him all sorts of questions. And, and there were two points that really stood out. The first was that, you know, they want to be built primarily through their high school recruiting classes. And you are going to continue to see the transfer portal be impactful. You're never going to see Oregon build a majority of their roster from the transfer portal. You'll see key pieces. You, you, you'll see a lot of elements of the portal playing out on Saturdays. But I think they are going to continue to place an emphasis on it. And Alabama will do that. You know, we'll see how much success they have with DeBoer down there. He's got to adapt, get his feet wet down in the South and whatnot. But Kirby Smart at Georgia, probably the best head coach in college football right now. In the last three years, he's had a 13-win season and won two national championships. He's still recruiting kids from the high school ranks at a high level. And that's where Landing comes from. And that's how he's going to continue to build the program. He wants to have as much talent as he can, and he should. He, he absolutely should. Even if you're going to bring in transfers, even if you recruit a highly rated kid and a transfer ends up becoming available, you don't know that a kid's going to come available. You don't know if the transfer is going to be better than the high school kid. So that was the first thing. And I think that that is the correct approach, right? You look at uh, USC this past year, you look at Colorado as well. You can't do it all in the transfer portal. You can do a lot. You cannot do everything. It, it just, there are too many spots in football. You got to be able to recruit high school kids at a high level and you got to be able to have competitive depth. And the other thing he talked about that I think is really important is something I'm going to tell you about after we talk about FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch after a round of golf. I've got an 11 a.m. tee time, kickoff 4.30, going to make it, grabbing your favorite football snacks. Of course, I'm a chips, wings, and beer kind of guy, and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. As always, second segment sips, an official partner of keeping me rolling here. The second aspect that Lanning talked about that I thought was most notable watching his signing day reaction, you heard all the generic stuff about, yeah, they're excited about their players and, you know, what I talked about earlier, but he talked about the staff and their adaptability to the evolving landscape of college football. And this is why Oregon can recruit at a high level and why they're so positioned to one day push for the number one class in the country. That is absolutely possible. It is within reach, as I talked about earlier, not just because Nick Saban is no longer at Alabama and that's not a team that, you know, Oregon is going to automatically be behind in recruiting, but because Lanning and his staff have got the have got the energy, have got the passion, have got the resources as well to recruit in the modern era. And you can describe that however you'd like. You're buying players. It's NIL. It's all this sort of stuff. Yep. That's what the world is. Like Billy Bean said in Moneyball, adapt or die. And Dan Lanning and his staff are committed to adapting to it. And that's why they are going to continue to succeed. So I'm a huge fan of of the staff. I'm a huge fan of this class. As shows go on, I think I'm going to do player breakdowns here 
and, and kind of look at, you know, the position group that a guy's coming into, what I see from him on the film tomorrow. Don't miss this on the show. I'm going to do a breakdown of Jeremiah McClellan versus Gatlin Bear, my own film study. Maybe I have to get my guy Max Torres on for that. We'll just have to wait and see. But definitely going to continue diving deep into this class so you understand, you know, the players that Oregon's got, where they fit into the rotation, if at all, in, in 2024, and kind of what their career trajectories all look like. Because it, it certainly is different than it used to be. I mean, if you go back and look at Oregon's past recruiting classes, like the 2021 class, the previous High, uh, the previously highest ranked class in uh, the history of Oregon football. I don't think there were any transfers that year. I'm going to double check that real quick, but I'm pretty sure there were no transfers added. It was just a bunch of kids from high school. And once 24-7 sports loads for me here, I am correct. I am 100% correct that there were no transfers taken in uh, in 2021, which is pretty crazy. Like that 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 is a pretty crazy Keith Brown is the other guy that I was leaving out in that class. It's crazy that that is what it was just a few years ago, but like I said, landing in the staff, they have adapted, they know what it takes and the results bear that out. And I think the results are going to continue to be very good and can only improve as the on-field results get better as well. Drop me your thoughts in the YouTube comments or on X, formerly known as Twitter. I'm at S. McLaughlin CFB or at Locked on Ducks. DMs and mentions always wide open for the mailbag. This question came in from the flock over from the Locked on Ducks insiders at subtext. Spencer. Is Oregon now a championship caliber team? Do we circle the Ohio State game and make them our new arch rival? He also asked a question, thoughts on creating a separate playoff for the G5 teams? Okay, we'll come back to that second point here in just a moment. Is Oregon a championship caliber team? Yep, I fully believe that. The betting market thinks that. National media pundits think that. I think that. Dan Lanning believes that. He was asked that question. And I tell you, another reason that I like Lanning is... You know, he, he's not always the most loquacious individual, which is another word for talkative or chatty. He is, however, incredibly media savvy. And Jerry Allen asked him a question about the national championship. Is this a team that, that can do it there? And Dan Lanning gives a response that perfectly, perfectly toes the line between having confidence in your guys to get there whilst not giving, uh, what's the word? I, I just blanked on the word, um, billboard material or bullet, bullet board. But okay. That was horrible for me just across the board. Bullets and board material, I think is what I was trying to say. I still think there's another term that for some reason I can't think of. But anyway, Dan Lanning's response to that was, there's a lot of work between now and then. That is both accurate, remaining confident, and not giving bulletin board material to your opponents. And so, and instilling in your guys that, hey, this is a talented bunch. You're a talented bunch, which they are, but we got to work. We got to work between now and then. And I liked his answer as well when he was asked about, you know, the true freshman class. You know, do you see these guys making an impact? How much are they going to play? And he said, that's up to them. They got to come in, change their nutrition. They got to get in the weight room. They got to understand the playbook. They got to work. If you put in the work, if you're good enough, you're old enough. That's that's the Dan Lanning motto. And we've seen that over the last couple of years. Look at Iapani Lalaulu, Poncho. He's going to be the Ducks' starting center this year. He was the sixth offensive lineman. I mean, to me, that that qualifies 
as being a starting offensive lineman because you are playing consistently important snaps while the game is still in doubt. And so for Lanning, I think he's very media savvy in that sense and knows how to give uh, responses when he wants to and say what he wants. And I think that that was a good response, which is, you know, I, 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 I think this Oregon team can absolutely win the national championship in 2024. I, I mean, show me why they can't. You got an experienced veteran quarterback. He's going to have a good offensive line. He's going to have plenty of weapons. He's going to have a running game. You got staff continuity. You got a defense that just allowed less than 18 points per game a season ago and has upgraded in some areas, particularly on the back end. You got a bunch of key returners, including your your money linebacker and Jeff Bossa, who was calling the plays and was the defensive leader last season. Yeah, that that's a formula to go contend for a national championship. But work does have to take place. Gabriel's got to get chemistry with his receivers. Everyone, you know, young players who might uh, who might play, whether they're freshmen or redshirt freshmen, they got to know the playbook. They got to know assignments. They still got to be in the weight room. There's a lot of work to be done, certainly though it can be done. The Ohio State game is that Oregon's arch rival. I think on the recruiting front, it's absolutely Oregon and Ohio State. 1A, 1B, you put them in whatever order you want. But you look at the 2024 rankings, Oregon's got the number three class. You know who's at number five? Ohio State. Those are the two recruiting powers in the Big Ten. Washington doesn't recruit at as high a level. Michigan never has. They're they're good. They can recruit pretty well. But we'll see what Sharon Moore does. I think they're a big pullback team in 2024. They'll go into the big house. Still going to be a tough thing for the Ducks. Wisconsin's not going to push for that. Penn State, they can get a top 10 class, but... Can they out-recruit Oregon and Dan Lanning? I don't think so, at least not consistently. Maybe once every three or four years, but I don't see that being the case. So I think that on the recruiting front, Ohio State's the rival. On the field, I don't know. Here's the thing about rivalries. You can't force them. Great example in the Pac-12, RIP, is Colorado and Utah. Colorado and Utah came to the Pac-12 together in 2011. They were billed as the mountain schools. And they play during rivalry week, or played in the Pac-12 during rivalry week. When Oregon's playing Oregon State, and USC was playing UCLA the week before, but you know Stanford was often playing Notre Dame, or Washington was playing Washington State in the Apple Cup. You had the duel in the desert between ASU and, and, and Arizona. And they tried to bill... Those mountain schools, like, this is big rivalry. Yeah, it wasn't. You know why? Because there was no history between those teams. Utah came from the Mountain West. Colorado came from the Big 12. Yeah, they came in together, but you can't fake a rivalry. Now, could Oregon and Ohio State become that? Maybe. Maybe. I'm not saying that it can't. You know a rivalry that was actually forming in the Pac-12? that I'm really upset we don't get to watch over the next couple of years, Utah and USC. Utah, with less 24-7 sports composite talent, was beating USC three times in a row. And guess what? It was getting chippy. Caleb Williams was writing F Utah on his nails. You had two contrasting styles. You had two big-time head coaches. You had championship-caliber programs. You had some big-time rivalry brewing stuff working there. And then that dissolves in USC's in the Big Ten, Utah's in the Big 12. So if you have a game like that, right, when you've got two teams that are capable of competing for conference championships consistently, yeah, yeah, I could see it. But you can't fake it. 
it might just be a big matchup. Would you consider Oregon and Utah a rivalry? I wouldn't. I think it's two programs that have a tremendous level of respect for one another that have played a bunch of outstanding, impactful, highly ranked, highly competitive football games over the last couple of years. But I never felt it was a rivalry. It was just a really good matchup between two really good teams. But if you get some chippiness, if you get a comment here and there, anything of the sorts, that can spur a rivalry. But you can't fake that. You you absolutely cannot. Still more to get to on today's show. Who said it's dead season in college football? I I vehemently disagree. Here's something I agree with, though. You should check out Game Time, because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. Right now, all users get $100 off when you buy a big game ticket with code VEGAS100. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total up front so you know you're getting a great deal before you check out. And you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. One tap, two tap, boom. You got your tickets. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Right now, all Game Time users get $100 off a big game ticket with code VEGAS100. Terms apply. Just download the Game Time app. Use code VEGAS100 for $100 off a big game ticket. Or if you're not going to the game, use code LOCKED ON for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, the final question from this particular subtext user. Question, thoughts on creating a separate playoff series for the G5 teams? Not a fan. Not not a fan, even though I see the inherent logic, right? FCS has got their own playoff because they're playing at a different level. The group of five, however, has a gap between... Their teams total and the power five or now power four, whatever you want to call it. Here's the difference. The gap between the group of five and the FCS is substantially higher than the gap between the group of five and the power four. That doesn't mean there isn't a difference, but the best group of five team against the best power five team, for instance, has a smaller gap of talent and overall capabilities than the best FCS against the best group of five. Now, best FCS team, North Dakota State or South Dakota State, they could absolutely beat several FBS programs. Conversely, High-level G5 teams are oftentimes regularly, consistently better than low-to-mid-level Power 5 teams. For example, Air Force, under head coach Troy Calhoun, has been there for 18 or 19 seasons. In 2022, he beat Colorado, he beat Baylor, and I think there was one other Power 5. Go look at Air Force's record against the Power 5 over the last few years. They're running the triple option, but it works. <laughs> they got the job done. So, there, there certainly is a gap, but I don't see the value in having the G5 play with their own playoff because there is some valuable or exciting television products at the group of five level. Think about like Boise State, for instance, right? When they were at their peak or think about Tulane, right? 
Tulane at their peak competed with a team that played in the Pac-12 championship game. They beat them a couple of years ago in the Cotton Bowl. That was, of course, USC. That gap and that ability to compete, like you, you would essentially be relegating the G5. That's what you'd be doing. And I don't think they need that. And group of five football has got a lot of great elements to it. A lot of great elements to it. Now, should it, you know, am I sitting here advocating that a 10 and two in the Mountain West is the same as a 10 and two in the Big Ten? Nope, absolutely, positively not. However, if you are able to go 13 and 0 in the Mountain West and win the conference championship, have an FBS win in there, yeah, I think you should get a shot like Cincinnati, by the way. They were able to take a shot. And yeah, they struggled offensively, but that wasn't a completely uncompetitive game. It was like 13 to 6 at the half, and then Bama shut them out in the second. Yeah, Bama was a much better team. Okay. But when you have already dangled that carrot in front of the group of five fan bases for such a long time, taking it away to create a championship? No, I don't see the value in that at all. I, I don't know who you're helping. You know, I, I, I don't I don't see the purpose of that because they're already so ingrained in the FBS college football playoff landscape. And they're going to have a team in the college football playoff every year because the highest ranked conference champions get in that currently is six plus six. That's a longer conversation, but it'll be the five highest ranked conference champions. And then that'll be the Big 12, the ACC. Those are kind of the next two. And then the Big 10, the SEC. And then the group of five champion, they'll be in there every year. And I think that's a good thing. So a couple of questions here from Bud. You've had a continual bevy, good vocab word, of great guests on your podcasts. Hats off to you. What are three new guests that you realistically would like to have on future shows? Jeff Schwartz is my favorite follow on Oregon Twitter for just analysis, commentary, and whatnot. He's fantastic. I'd love to get a Michael James because he was my favorite player. He is my favorite duck of all time. Uh, Mariota is right there at number two. And goodness gracious, Bo Nix is high on that list. But LaMichael and Marcus, but I do have LaMichael above Marcus. And then Jerry Allen, because Jerry Allen, along with Dave Niehaus of the Mariners, RIP, is the first radio guy that I remember listening to as a kid. And I didn't think back then I would hold the same position. And now I do. And I'm the voice of the Southern Utah Thunderbirds. And that's uh, a great point of joy and pride for me. And Jerry Allen is one of the guys who, you know, I remember listening to and thinking, oh, this is cool. And this is fun. And now obviously I do that. So that's very cool. So those would be my three people. Good question. You mentioned that Dana Altman might be on the hot seat if the Ducks don't make the NCAA tournament this year. How about Kelly Graves? Both great coaches, but seem to have had several years of coming short of expectations. Your thoughts? You know, I haven't spoken with Kelly. I've met him on several occasions. He's an awesome guy. I mean, just a fantastic guy. And he has been a really, really good coach. I wonder if he isn't one of the coaches. He's not alone in this front in college basketball and college sports writ large, who just is not up for playing the game with NIL in the portal the way other programs are. I mean, Jay Wright at Villanova, Mike Krzyzewski at Duke, Roy Williams at North Carolina. These are legendary coaches. They've all gone out in the last several years. It's not an accident. Chris Peterson is not currently coaching college football. It's not because he's too old. I think all those guys saw the writing on the wall and said, nope, that's not for me. I'll let everybody else take the reins. The Oregon women are at Colorado this week, and then I think they have to play Utah as well. 
because that's a, that's a general pairing. I didn't double check the schedule. I know they play Colorado on, on Thursday. Typically then you play Utah. Those are top 10 programs <laughs> and their, and their team is 11 and 12. You know, I saw an interview with Kelly the other day. He said, our girls are competing and they're just not winning games. It is certainly on a downward trajectory. I will not be surprised if at the end of the year, not a firing, but a mutual parting of ways uh, for, for Kelly Grace. For Dana Altman, I don't know. I think we got to see how this year ends and if they can find their way into the tournament. We'll get to that in just a sec. But how about this question? I talk about the perks that you get if you're a Locked On Ducks insider over at Subtext. This is one of them now. You can send an audio message over there, ask a question, and get it played right here on the show just like this. Hello, Spencer. Love both of your daily podcasts. The Stefan versus Sabrina three-point contest will be held in Indianapolis on February 17th as part of the NBA All-Star Weekend. Who are you picking to win? Steph versus Sabrina. Boy. Mm, do I have to choose? Well, he asked questions, so uh, of course he did. This, this is locked on ducks. I'm a huge Steph Curry fan. Give me Sabrina. Steph's old. Sabrina's in her prime. Give me Sabrina to come out with the dub there. I am I am most excited. Most excited to watch that watch that play out. Closing with some hoops as we often do here on the show. So if you're listening to or watching the show on Thursday when it airs and you're an everydayer, thank you so much for doing that. If you're listening or watching on Friday, you know how this game went. Oregon plays Washington on Thursday night, who got off to a great start this year. And now there have been consistent calls, as there should be, to fire Mike, Mike Hopkins, their coach. They need to move on there. Washington's 12-10 and 10 on the season, 4-7 and seven in Pac-12 play. Oregon's 7-4 in Pac-12 play, 15-7 overall. Somehow, I, I triple-checked this because it didn't seem right. I don't think it is right. But somehow, after losing to 10-11 and 11 UCLA and beating USC, who's 9-12 and 12 going into this uh, Thursday night, or going into Wednesday night, rather, uh, when they go at Cal, which is a sold-out Haas Pavilion. Crazy. They haven't done that in a long time. They want to be USC, and they could. Oregon is still listed in Joel Lenardi's next four out. So they're still seen as on the bubble. And the opportunity to make the tournament is still in Oregon's hands. This is not a they need other teams to lose or they need someone, you know, to suffer an injury to make this team weak or anything like that. No, it, it's still in Oregon's hands. They can lose probably two more times in the regular season. If they do that, they'd have a reasonable shot at making the tournament. Washington's not going to be a quality win. That's another game, like USC and UCLA, that a loss hurts you more than a win helps you. But then on Saturday, if you beat Washington, the showdown with Washington State can be huge because Washington State is currently projected as a tournament team. They're playing at Oregon State on Thursday, and guess what? They should win the game. And if they do, Washington State, yes, Washington State will be 17-6. and That'd be a quad one win, and Oregon at home got to have that game. So that's where things are at. Beat, but beat Washington first. For the obvious reason of let's beat Washington and anything and everything that we can. But Oregon's got to win that game. Somehow they're still hanging around on the bubble at 15-7 and seven with a pretty light resume of wins. Georgia's stumbled recently. That would have been nice if they'd kept winning. But at Washington State is a really good win right now. And if Oregon can lose one more time in the month of February and one time in their three games in March – 
they'd have a pretty good shot. It'd be 22 and nine, and then have wins over two of Colorado, Utah, and Arizona. That'd be pretty darn good. Got to start with Washington, though. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.